0: So for the rest of the year, I got rid of all the team. I got rid of my PA. I I didn't renew the lease on the office. I brought it back from this big business – well, not a big business, but from this kind of unwieldy team back to just me, and I kept the the half a dozen clients that I really loved working with. I kept them on, set them up to work over the phone, and then that December and January, we went back to Bali, and I was making more money – more profit a day a week by the pool with a mobile phone and a laptop than I was working six days a week and kind of stressed to my eyeballs running the whole thing. And I thought, hmm, this is, this is better.
1: Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Balou. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo, And boy, am I excited about today's guest. He is a friend. He is a mentor. He's someone who's done more than probably anyone alive to popularize the whole notion of thought leadership and why it matters around the planet. I am speaking, of course, of the one the only, the legendary Peter Cook. Welcome to the show, Peter.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Nikki. Great to be here. Legendary. That may be the first time I've ever been called legendary. That's (laughs) very, very cool. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome. So,
1: Pete, you and I, we've known each other for some time, and uh, I've definitely benefited from your wisdom and your mentorship over the years. Thank you for saying that. My pleasure, my friend, because it's the truth. But the folks on the show, they've heard me talk about you and talk about Matt and and, uh, Scott Stein from time to time. But they don't know you the way I know you. And the reason they listen to this show is they're all coaches, they're all consultants who are intrigued by the concept of thought leadership and they want to grow their business. Many of them are a little bit frustrated because, you know, their business may not be growing as fast as they want it to. And they're listening to this show because they want to know how you did it and how you helped so many people
0: around the world do it. Tell us your backstory, mate. <laughs> Throwing in a mate there, just making me feel <laughs> right at home. Thank you. Well, we probably should say from the start that this accent is Australian for all the people who are trying to guess whether I'm British or Australian. It's um it's Australian. It's um so we're early morning here in the middle of winter, even though you're um a summer and evening in your part of the world, thirty-six degrees centigrade here today, buddy. We don't usually get that. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. nice. Yes, we're <laughs> way at the well. We're not. We're not the cold that you get down here, but chilly mornings at the moment. So, how it all started? I was a consultant at Accenture. That's what I did out of university, or Anderson Consulting, as it was back in the day, and was doing quite well. But looked kind of into the future and. Saw myself in 10 years as a partner making good money but working really hard and selling my soul to the devil it felt like to do that and giving my life away for something I didn't really believe in and I didn't like that future. So I went and saw a business coach. This was back in 2000, so this is when business coaching really was just starting. So I saw a business coach and said, I want to do something else. I don't know what. Help me work it out. And she was, she was fabulous. But as we went through the process, I thought, that looks like a good job. I wonder, I wonder how you would get that job. I reckon I'd enjoy being a business coach. And with all the, all the ignorance and the arrogance of a 27-year-old, I thought, well, I've never run a business and I've never been a coach. But hell, I'll give that a shot. So I um, quit my job and started as a business coach. And very tough first 12 months, of course, everybody's, like, as I said, business coaching wasn't even a thing then. And so I struggled to get clients. Um, I had to explain what it was and then people would say, well, why you? What do you know about it? And um, it wasn't it wasn't a lot, but but there was a bit. And then eventually I got some clients and they told other people and, my second year got to what in our world we talk about as white belt. So I was doing ten thousand a month, um, a bit over a hundred thousand a year as a business coach from my second year. But could never really nudge that, and that's where I kind of stayed for the next decade. Wow! So did all these different things, and because I was a business coach, I kept thinking what I had to do was grow a business. That's what I'm teaching all my clients to do. So I thought to have integrity, I had to do the same thing. And what I – so I franchised the business, um, sold five franchises, spent a lot of money, a lot of time setting that up. All of them failed and I ended up buying them all back. So it was a very um, <laughs> kind of expensive lesson in don't, um, don't leverage too early. Um, my stuff wasn't good enough yet for someone else to do it. Then hired coaches, so I had a team of 10 coaches working for me up and down the east coast of Australia and looked very impressive. We had this beautiful office. I was paying 50 grand a year leasing this gorgeous office. I had a PA, had all this big team, but my income still never got above, above white belt, never got above kind of 100, 120K a year. And so I was working really hard but not seeing a lot of reward for it and. Then 2009 had kind of defining experience. Went to went to Bali with Trish, with my wife, and we were um, on. And I could only go away for a week, so we had this one week holiday in Bali, nine days, like a week, a weekend either side, and that was as long as I could be away from the business without the wheels falling off. And we we're staying on this beautiful little cottage right on the beach. We're actually sleeping on this day bed outside. So we'd wake up and see the sun rising and the fishing boats coming in against the rising sun in the morning. It was just this little slice of paradise. And I had this moment of clarity where I thought, when I was a university student, I used to get two months a year holiday. And now that I'm a so-called successful entrepreneur, one week's all I get. There's something really wrong with this picture, with how I've decided my business and my life. And I made a decision I was going to change the business so that I could run it from Bali effectively, so that I could come back from too much. So for the rest of the year, I got rid of all the team. I got rid of my PA. I I didn't renew the lease on the office. I brought it back from this big business. Well, not a big business, but from this kind of unwieldy team back to just me. And I kept the, the half a dozen clients that I really loved working with. I kept them on, set them up to work over the phone. And then that December and January we went back to Bali and I was making more money, more profit a day a week by the pool with a mobile phone and a laptop than I was working six days a week and kind of stressed to my eyeballs running the whole thing. And I thought, hmm, this is, this is better. And I hadn't languaged it like that, but what? in effect I'd done is gone from a business to what we call in our world a practice. I'd gone from having it be about systems and about a team to being it about me and my expertise and my thought leadership um, and just loved that model much better. And then someone told me, "I, oh, you've got to meet what you're doing. That's that's a practice. You've got to meet this Matt Church guy. And so I went and did and, and found out, "Hi, oh, actually, this is a thing. Somebody's actually worked out how to do this properly. And there's this whole community of people who are doing it. And then it took off from there.
1: That's a fascinating story at so many levels. First of all, for myself, and I know for a lot of listeners, when you shared about feeling like you were selling your soul to the devil and you wanted out, that really resonated. Because I felt that way. I felt like I never belonged in a yep. corporate environment. I felt like I wasn't being myself. I felt that I was basically pretending to be someone I wasn't in order to fit in. And I hated every minute of it. There were some good people I met along yep. the way, but it wasn't a lot of fun. And there was there was no joy in it for me. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people that felt that way when they worked for the man, yeah. as it were. <laughs> And they may even be some people that are prospective thought leaders that are feeling that way right now listening to this.
0: Yeah. It's funny. A lot of people kind of said at the time, well, oh, that's really brave to take the plunge and to leave. And and I thought, oh, no, I actually, there isn't a choice. I, I can't stay. I, I have to do something. Yeah.
1: yeah, that I, And that resonates too because that's exactly how I felt. There was a period of time where I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and yeah. And... For me, I got a push from the universe. The company I was working for went bankrupt. So (laughs) I literally didn't have a choice. (laughs) But
0: Sometimes we need that.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think that's powerful. And then your understanding once you got into business for yourself that the way you were doing it wasn't working for you and that there had to be a better way. I mean necessity is the mother of invention right that's what happened over there and then you found yeah. Matt Church who had figured out a way to do this right as you put it and then as soon as you met Matt yeah. you went from you know what you call a white belt to I think what you call a black belt which is set over 10 grand a month that's over 60 grand a month right yeah. pretty quickly yeah. right i think it was in less than a year you told me the last time we spoke
0: yeah, I yeah. So we have this yeah, this we use this martial arts metaphor where we say at different stages in growing your practice there are different things to do. So at white belt there are certain things to do at ten thousand a month, then at yellow belt at twenty thousand a month, and so on up to green belt, blue belt, red belt and black belt, like you say, sixty thousand a month or seven, twenty thousand a year. And I saw this revenue ladder when I went and did Matt's two day course as it was then, and it completely did my head in. I was like, that is ridiculous. There is no way that just me could be worth, and I'd do the sums, and that's like $1,000 an hour. What could I possibly do that would be worth? Who would pay $10,000 a day? It just seemed completely fanciful. But at the same time, I saw these other people who were doing it, and so there was a part of me that was going, well, why not? Why, if they can... Why not? And I looked at them and they were smart people. But I thought, well, but I'm smart and they were working. But it actually looked like I had been working harder to get white belt than some of these guys and girls were to get black belt. And I thought, okay, maybe if I'm going to be playing a game anyway, may as well play, play the game for black belt. So I said to Matt, what's the quickest that anybody's gone white belt to black belt? And like you said, it was good that I learned the lesson. It had taken me a decade to learn the lesson. So I'd had ten years in white belt, um, to kind of get ready for this. And and Matt said to me, 14 months. This guy, Peter Sheehan, did it in 14 months. It's typically a three-year journey. That's what we expect, but Peter did it in Peter Sheehan did it in 14 months. And so I said, um, and occasionally I'm a little bit competitive. So I said, All right, I'm gonna do it in a year. And to uh, Keep myself accountable. I'm going to blog about it. So this was on. That was this comment, and I had this conversation on Friday. And on Monday, I started this blog, White Belt to Black Belt in 365 days. And it was this interesting experiment in also in being completely transparent financially about my business. So each week, I would write about what I was coming up against and what was happening. And each month, I would report my revenue. In my blog, so at the end of the month, I said I just had twenty-two thousand dollars, three twenty-two thousand three hundred dollars this month. I had my first yellow belt month, and then the next month, the next month, I said, "Yeah, just close the sale on the last day of the month." I thought I'd lost it, but I got it back for seven thousand. That got me to green belt. It was my first green belt month, and so on. And after 125 days, I had my first black belt month. So the first time I did sixty thousand in the month. And then after ten months, um, give or take, I had done seven hundred twenty thousand. That's awesome revenue. So I got to a proper black belt, and and on the last, second last day of our financial year here, passed a million dollars for the financial year, and have been running my practice at that that level since.
1: That's incredible, man. So has anyone broken your record since?
0: Yeah, has which is great. Um, so what's um, the new record? A a couple of women um down here in australia have have done i think under 100 days which is cool and it's a bit like the the 4 minute mile too it yeah it um you know it's kind of reset um what's possible which is which is cool um, that's, and that's all when, when people <laughs> say to me um yeah how do you do it how do you get there fast I, my answer generally is a better question is how to get there sustainably yeah it is a better um, question no question we, wanted, we want to make this is a 10 year journey we want to be able to maintain it for a decade yeah and like having kind of 10 years kind of struggling and working out what to do wrong before becoming an overnight success um, Well, <laughs> kind of helped too That's that's pretty crazy
1: as far as I'm concerned Well, you know, you've been someone who's been very generous in sharing some of your knowledge with myself and, and uh, with uh, Michael, who co-founded eCircle uh, with me, yep. and used to do this podcast with me. There's a couple things I had to tell you. We have uh, worked with you and used some of your material, and uh, we like the the belt analogy a lot because this, the whole yep. martial arts thing really appeals to people. They can see it. It's visual. It's visceral. I never got to black belt as fast as you did. So I got to be like totally transparent about that. My first 60K month wasn't until well after, well over a year. Um, yeah. and I think it was actually well over two years after uh, I started to to work with some of your material. But there was a lady, her name's Jen, and she, she actually had a friend in China that she sent to you guys in Australia, who I think ended up signing up for your program. Yeah. Uh, Jen did it in 112 days. Wow. Which was nuts, right? I mean. That's fabulous. It is. But she had a story like yours too. You know, she had all these years where she'd been, you know, doing some high level work and never above white belt. We even have yep. this thing where if you're not a white belt, we call you a clear belt because <laughs> we can't yep. see your belt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah your pants are falling down. There you go. But uh, that was uh, that was. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing for someone to do it that way. Yeah. So, Michael uh, and I used your IP development methodology to come up with this thing that we labeled the thought leader's business journey. And we we said there's five phases to it. And you kind of talked about all of these in your backstory. If you don't mind, I'd like to just share them with you and then no, ask you to comment yeah, on that. love
0: to hear them. Yeah. So
1: the first one is newcomer. And obviously newcomer is when you're a newcomer to the business. You're excited to be doing something. But you don't really have a lot to offer. You're just excited. Yep. You're, yep. you're not sure what your value model is. You're one of these folks who goes, oh, I can do everything. I can cut you on your relationship. I can cut you on your business. I can cut you on your health. Yeah, No problem. And newcomers, in, in in our experience, don't make a lot of money. Uh, they're mm. in the 0 to $20,000 a year range type of thing. Some yep. of them may go yep. slightly outside of that. But what we found in some studies that we've looked at um, is that 80% of The people who start in business, in the industry of coaching, consulting, thought leadership, what have you, don't get past newcomer. And that's a horrifying statistic if you think about it, right? Yeah, yeah. 80%. And then of the 20% who get out of newcomer, they go into another stage, which we call unconscious expert. This is where you've gotten a few clients, people kind of like you, people want to do business with you, but you can't really articulate your point of difference very well yet. Yep. You know, you identified that for yourself. It took you a while, you got some clients and then you got to a certain phase and and that was that. And yep. of the 20% that get to this stage, 15% never get out of this. So only 5% yep. get out of this stage. And the income level here is somewhere between 40-50k in 70, 75K, if someone's really hustling here, they might get to like white belt levels, like six figures, yep. 120, but that's it. Then yep. the next phase is when someone's got it somewhat dialed in. They, they know their point of difference. They're someone who's got value that they're offering. And the marketplace recognizes their point of difference. And they're able to do marketing and selling predictably. Okay. Yep. But it's still all time for money based, you yep. know, and they're working really hard and here they're burning out. They yep. they just can't get beyond a certain level of income. So they may be doing six figures. They may even get to 150, 200 K, maybe even as much as a yellow belt level, but they're running full tilt and they got no cycles. They got no life. And, yep. um, of the five percent that make it here, only one percent gets out of here and becomes mm-hmm. a thought leader. What's the
0: what are you calling this level?
1: Oh, sorry, conscious expert, right? Yeah. So and the next level is the thought leader level. So we call that the you know, the fourth stage of five. And one yep. percent get there. And these are the Peter Cooks of the world, you know, the the gens of the world, the Michael Palmas of the world, yep. the Matt Churches of the world. And these are folks who they've they've got. IP. The market recognizes them as thought leaders. The market values them. Hell, the market approaches you in many instances yep. and say, hey, Pete, you're really good at implementation. Our company needs to implement a new project. Can you train our CEO and his C-suite team? And can we give you a half a million dollars or whatever, yep. right? That yep. sort of thing yep. happens. And, and then, of course, obviously, you go out and you do your own marketing and you generate opportunities. But we've seen people here make a half a million, a million, a million and a half, two million, that sort of thing. And they get to choose how much they work, right? They they work, yep. as you say, anywhere from 50 days to 200 days a year, right? Yep. And this is a fabulous stage, when only 1% get to be at this stage. And then one-tenth of 1% go to the next stage, which is the celebrity thought leader. These are like the Tony Robbins, the Robin Sharma's, yep. Those kinds of folks who are sought out by captains of industry, political leaders. Money for them comes in big gobs and buckets. They some of them work really hard because they've got a mission, they got a legacy going on. And yep. uh that's where they want to get to. And very few people get to this. So yep. this is the model we created. Uh, Michael and I. It took several months of various, you know, pink sheet iterations to get it to the mm-hmm. stage, but yep. Then we took a look at this, and correct me if my figures are wrong, what really excites me about your work with thought leaders is that these figures are not the experience of people who come into your program. 80% of your people get to at least conscious expert, and over 50% become thought leaders that make half a million to millions And up, yeah. Those numbers astounded me. Like, you've had, you know, what, 150, 200 people a year go through the program, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've got 120 people.
1: 120 people. Those are that's still an astounding number. I mean, if you think about it, and when over 50 percent of them become thought leaders, and over 80 percent of them at least become a conscious expert, I mean, that certainly made me sit up and pay attention. Peter what are your thoughts on 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 this this uh, this model that we put together
0: Yeah I'd love it I love it and I I think the um, celebrity thought leadership is there's an element of kind of luck and fortune in there There sure is <laughs> So I don't know like that's I don't know how to help somebody do that And I and I'm not that myself so I obviously I can't mentor someone in something I haven't done Sure um, but in terms of getting somebody to that, what you call a thought leader, the, to the fourth level and, and what, so that's what I would, I would call that a successful practice yes. in our world. And, and we say a successful practice is half a million to one and a half million dollars a year, working 50 to 200 days with one or two support staff and doing work you love with people you like the way you want and leaving your legacy. So we have those three elements in our world of what's a successful practice, it's around the revenue you make, it's around lifestyle and um, living consciously and life by design, and around legacy, about making the difference um, you, you were, were born, born to make. make.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love it, that phrase. I'm sorry, see, it just as soon as you said that, my brain automatically went into making the difference you were born to make.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, yeah. I'm- and so that's, um, yeah, we've got a, a pretty good track record of, of having people win that game.
1: I'd say you have an astounding track record. I mean, you're being a little too modest. I think this is not a time to be modest about this. I mean, (laughs) if you got over 50% of the people in your program doing that, that's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it actually is unbelievable. Like it's, I I struggle to know how to to use that data um, and where to put it because I think if we put that on the front of our website before people get to know us a bit, it literally is unbelievable. People would look at that and go, there's no way that's possible. And Um, I've. Kind of had Can I make a suggestion? Yeah, please. Um, as you know, we've been trying
1: to do this in Canada um, and using some of your material and using some of our own material. And, and um, we work with a fellow who used to work with uh, with Tony Robbins as well. So we got a whole yep. – not that it's Tony's material, it's this guy's material. But we yep. got a whole thing yep. around it. But the thing that I think you need to do with this is you definitely need to use it. But it, it needs to be like salt – in the recipe, yeah, it can't be overpowering. It's got to yep. be there, but in a very yeah. you know, just hey, by the way, here, here's 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 how I say it, Pete, based on the coaching I got from yep. all of these, and and then this thing story branded. I don't know if Michael ever told you about story brand and Donald Miller and uh, that that fella who teaches how to use the 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 metaphor uh, and the framework of a story to. Uh, forward your message. It's very powerful stuff. Yeah. What we say is that most people, most coaches and consultants, want to be something more. They want to. They want to be a thought leader. They want to matter. They want a legacy. They want to make money. But they're frustrated. It's not working for them the way they thought it would. And and at, at some of them are losing hope. And they're they're just wondering. I'm a good person. I work hard. I deserve to be successful. And What we say is you're right. You do, and we know how you feel. We've been there, and you, Peter, definitely, you've been there, right? Yeah. And you figured out a way to help over 50% of the people that you work with make at least a half a million dollars a year working 50 to 200 days a year, where in the industry, that figure is less than 1%. I think if you say that and then quickly pivot back to, Talking about them, yep. I think that'll land. I yep. think that'll land powerfully. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Because I got to tell you, Pete. Whenever we do an event, that's the first thing I say is, I, I say, look, this, this, this methodology, this thinking, it's been around in uh, in Australia and uh, in uh, that part of the world in the Asia Pacific for over a decade, and yep. here are the stats. Yep. And do you want to know what the stats in North America are? Do you want me to like freak you out a little bit? <laughs> Go ahead. Less than 5%. Yeah. So all these celebrity thought leaders that you and I just talked about here that you said you didn't know how to be like them. They have a 5% success rate. And you have an over 50% success rate. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: nuts. Mm. Am I wrong? No, no, you're completely right. It is, it is nuts. And yeah, and it's interesting, I think, for the for your listeners to kind of unpack how that works. Please. What's behind that success rate? Because I think there are elements of that that um, anybody listening can incorporate into their programs. And it's, it comes down to, you mentioned earlier about implementation. That's my, my that's thought your leadership thing. And yeah, that's my your thing. thing is about, yeah. <laughs> you'll get me on my soapbox. You'll have to pull me down, kicking and screaming. No, it's a good um, place
1: to be, man. Share away. That's why we have you here. We want you to share your best stuff.
0: Yeah, so we have designed the program with a whole bunch of frameworks to help people get out of their own way. And so the first thing is that everybody coming in has signed up for this game. So everybody has said, yep, I'm on for being a successful thought leader. I'm on for half a million to one and a half million, working 50 to 200 days, doing work I love with people I like the way I want and making the difference I was born to make. And that's a pretty big thing. Like if you say that seriously and you actually commit to that game, that takes something. I I think it's a courageous commitment to make. If you Like everyone can say, oh, yeah, that would be lovely. I'd love to have that. That's amazing. But to be to kind of put yourself on the line and say I'm 100% in and I'm going for that is pretty extraordinary. So firstly, we have amazing people in the room. We have a whole – but I think then having a tribe of people who are all going for the same thing and playing the same game does much more than we can do. So Matt and I have a methodology that works and have some good frameworks. But the thing that I think makes the biggest difference is the tribe who are all heading in the same direction, and it's like if you want to if you want to get fit, what you'd do is you'd start hanging around people who are fit. You would go and join a um, go and join a gym and be in, or join a sports team and kind of be in that community. If you want to be a successful thought leader, having a tribe of people who are all doing that, um, very very powerful. Yeah. We then have yeah and one one my big belief is that we're not designed for long-term implementation so it, like you as a human being if you're saying i want to do this three months 12 months three year 10year journey you're the wrong machine for that game you've been you've evolved over hundreds of thousands of years to survive in the savannah That's what your machinery is. So your biochemistry and your neurology and your instincts and everything are fabulous for when a lion walks across your path. A whole lot of things will happen in that moment to help you survive that. Your heart rate will go up, adrenaline will pump through, your digestion will slow down, blood will go – like all this stuff will happen. That's great for that, which is what the machinery is designed for. Your machinery isn't designed – for a 12-month project. And so then what I do is I recognise that and go, this is actually not what we're built to do. It's what we want to do, but it's not. We don't have the best machinery. So what are the hacks that we can put around ourselves to make that happen? And that's environmental design, it's accountability structures, it's cadence of reminders and frameworks, and it's a support community. And a 12-month program that gives people targets kind of every week and every month so that this long game gets much shorter um, and more achievable. Um, And then kind of all those things together with a methodology that works helps people get through it. And I think the lesson for your listeners from that is we spend too much time thinking about how to do it and get kind of too in love with our own approach and our methodology and don't spend enough time helping people implement it and that's that's half the game is helping the people in whatever program you run helping them actually do what you know they need to do Pete that's brilliant
1: there's a fellow here in Canada and I'm not going to mention his name because he's actually a really good guy. And he's been <laughs> helping people succeed in business in general yep. terms with programs yep. for decades. Yep. And he was a mentor of mine back when I uh, used to be in the health and fitness field. He helped yep. me grow my business. So I'm grateful to him. He's done a lot for me. But when I was in his program, I noticed that there wasn't a lot of help. There was a lot of information but there wasn't a lot of help. Yep. You didn't have structures in place beyond the basics of having a monthly meeting where everybody got in, where he'd teach you a lesson, and then you'd commit to writing down some goals, but the rest was up to you. Yeah. You know, and I think you're bang on. We're not designed to do that. And if you're left to your own devices, you won't do it. Now, I'm – relatively disciplined fellows, so I would take action on some to most and occasionally all of those goals every month, but 90% of the room never did. When Mm. they were in the room, they were all excited, and then they wouldn't go. And one of the reasons that I got so attracted to your message is because you are so good at implementation. (laughs) But if I may go one level deeper, you may hate me after I say this, Pete, but our life. But I think I have to tell you, I think it goes beyond implementation. I actually think at, at at one level, it's an act of love. Because you are showing caring for the person in your program as a fellow human being who's come to you and laid bared their soul, been courageous and said, I'm up for this game with you, Pete. If you take me by the hand and show me the way, I'll come with you. You don't have to drag me. And mm. you've taken that commitment so seriously that as a, as, a, as a transcendent human being, you've decided you're going to put your love into your work. You know, Khalil Gibran said, work is love made visible. you know, the author of The yeah. Prophet, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually believe your work is implementation infused with
0: love. yeah. I com- I completely agree. It's it's ironic. My my failed business coaching business mm. was called Love Your Business. Wow. So for for a decade, goosebumps what I did, man, when you said yeah. that. <laughs> so what I was doing for a decade was saying, you need to have more love in your business. The way to succeed in business is to put more love in. You love your business, love your staff, have your staff love your customers. That and that virtuous cycle will help business and make the world a better place. And yeah, like it's a nice idea. It was the wrong message for that market. I couldn't sell it. But the the irony is now what I'm actually doing is exactly what you say. I'm helping people love what they do. I just it's framed differently. But you yeah. say yeah. a successful practice is doing work you love. And I get to do that with this with amazing people. And absolutely do it with love. Um, yeah. And and um kind of pinching myself that I get to do this this work that feels like the work I was put on the planet to do um, yeah. with amazing people and help help lots of people make the difference that they want were born to make. Yeah. That's why I was attracted to your work, Pete. Yeah. I
1: don't know if you remember a few months ago when I, I spoke with you, I, I said to you that what you're doing is God's work on the planet. And it mm. needs to be it needs to be heard more it needs to be shared more it needs to be done more and yeah. that's why if you recall i i laid my heart open for you to say i want to be i want to be one of the people that, that continues to work with you to do this because i really yeah. believe that it's it works it delivers the numbers don't yeah. lie yeah and people's lives are better. So this 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 woman who uh, I told you did black belt so quickly, it's completely yeah. transformed her life at yeah. every level. She's helping more people, more more of the people she wants to help. Her her family is doing way better financially obviously. Yeah. And um, yeah. she is absolutely living her purpose. And when I yeah. see that, you know, any petty thoughts or notions that are in my soul and in my head just vanish, yeah, yeah. like when she shared with us that she she did sixty two thousand two hundred one month, yeah, wow I, I I started to cry, yeah, Pete, you know i like I literally yeah. bawled, yeah, and Pete... I'm a tough guy, (laughs) you know. I'm Persian, (laughs) old school, 19th century, (laughs) you know, balls to the wall kind of man. And this this woman made me cry like a
0: baby (laughs) for 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's your love right there and you're doing the work you're meant to do.
1: Well, I just, you know, what I'm really good at is I'm really good at helping people believe in themselves. Yeah.
0: That's what what I'm
1: really good at. What a gift! Um, and that's where I'm putting all my thought and focus. And when I heard, you know, when I was, we we spoke before this this interview about uh, the weekly email that you sent out, which I get, and yeah. you shared what Matt Church said. Would you mind just sharing that with our listener for a moment?
0: Yeah, sure. So this is the, my this week's blog. Yeah. Um, was talking about the idea of what are you what are you I've been exploring this notion of what's free and what's expensive. Yes. And how we're all you know, free is this really interesting price point that we're all a little bit nuts about. And and then I heard Seth Godden on his podcast say you should have some stuff in your practice that's free and some stuff that's expensive. And and thought that's a it's a nice idea, but what? what should be free and what should be expensive. And then kind of in this bizarre coincidence, like almost the next – like it was that week that I – then Matt said what he does is make information-free and experiences expensive.
1: Mm-hmm. I got goosebumps when I read oh, that. Yeah. It's brilliant if you think about it because mm. what this is, is it's a way to – Get people to understand what really matters. What yeah. really matters isn't the info. And I love a lot of the things that I learn about. I love I love the thought leader material that yeah. you and Matt have created. I think it's it's brilliant. I love I love my friend Mark Von Muser's material on selling heart based selling. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. There's a yeah. you know, I love a lot of Tony Robbins's material. Robin Sharma's material. It's fantastic. But I'll tell yeah. you. I would kill – maybe that's not the right word, but I would be <laughs> yeah. gosh darn motivated to go hang out with Tony Robbins, with Robert yeah. Sharma, with you and Matt, with Mark, and yep. I'd pay a lot of money for that.
0: Yeah. You know, 100%. Yeah, it's a little bit it's counterintuitive for – especially when we talk about thought leaders, we say your whole job is to come up with great thinking, that the assets in your practice – it's your intellectual property, um, and our whole, like our whole methodology, is based around doing world class thinking. So then to say give that away sounds counter to that, um, and I think so. And there are people, a lot of people who come into our world are very cautious. So one of the things we do, all uh, students in our program have to publish all their pink sheets, which is the what we use to capture their IP. One of the deliverables of the program is 101 pink sheets, so 101 ideas fleshed out and published internally on our platform. And people go, oh, well, what happens if somebody steals my idea? I'm I'm nervous about putting my IP out there. What if someone else takes it? And it's funny, a lot of people are nervous about that coming in. No one's ever had that experience. But like you say, what putting it out there does is actually means people want are more likely to want the experience. So because you've, like, if you hadn't read Tony Robbins' stuff and consumed his material, you wouldn't know about him and want to have the experience. And it's not like you read the book and go, oh, well, I don't want to do the course now. I I know it. Exactly. No, I want to do the course. (laughs) Yeah. And I also think it's a useful frame for having some humility around our ideas and our approaches that they're not yours anyway. Yeah. Yeah, like whether you're uh kind of if you're from a religious bent, then I would say these ideas are given to you by God anyway, they're not yours. Yeah. And if you're um, kind of more metaphysical or less that way, it's my – um it's just neurons in your brain. You're not – like there's just neural pathways happening. It's not like you did anything to make that neural connection. Yeah, and well said. that's what my – my meditation teacher says our, our job in a, in a meditation practice is just to observe the thoughts. The thoughts aren't you. And the practice is just to observe them. They don't come from you. They don't belong to you. Um, just watch them go past. And that's another useful frame of going, oh, actually, no, they're not. they're not mine. And that helps. I think that helps us be able to have brilliant IP without getting kind of too arrogant about it. Yeah. And without getting too attached to it. Um, If somebody else uses it, fabulous. If somebody else takes it, good luck. If you can change lives with this stuff. Good for you. My my preference is that you do it respectfully and you attribute, but if you don't, whatever.
1: Yeah, no, it's brilliantly said. That's, you you know, I believe in attribution very strongly because, uh, you know, first of all, you know, in in our program we use a lot of your material so yep. we reference you and Matt all the time we use a lot of Mark yep. von Musers material we reference him all the time and we've got our own material yep. and yep. we'll say hey we developed this stuff but even the stuff that i've developed myself i i know i stood on the shoulders of some giants in developing yep. it this whole concept of sales as an act of love that's a that's a pink sheet i did sales as an act of love yep. you should yep. you you should only sell to the people that you love. And everyone that you sell to should be someone who you can come from the best part of your soul to serve. So if you can't yeah. do that, you have no business selling to them. Yeah. If you just sell it to sell something for the money, that's horrible. That's horrible for you, it's horrible for them. And they won't yep. get the result anyways, right? And yep. so that was my print sheet. But guess what? There's elements of that from Mark von Muser talks about yep. sales and service. There's elements of that from Peter cook <laughs> yep. who's talked about, you know, the importance of working with people that you love, <laughs> yep. right. As part of sell. And there's elements of that, that I probably read somewhere. and I don't even remember. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's my IP. It's my IP with the help of a few hundred yep. really smart people that I was exposed to throughout my life. Yep. Uh, and, and that's what it is. And, You don't know this about me, but I went through a a tough situation where I was married and and seemingly out of the blue, my then wife left me. It was a searing experience for me. I was very angry for a long time. I I was depressed and it took me a while to get over it. And as a result of this experience, I joined a men's organization. I started doing a lot of work with people who taught men about what it is to be a man, um, how to uh, tap into your masculine power, how to honor your woman. Yep. And it, it, it changed my life. I mean, if I'd known all this before when I was married, I, I probably would still be married. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I became an evangelist for helping men who were faced with the prospect of a marriage breakdown. And I teamed up with a fellow and we created a whole bunch of IP. And I was really passionate about this and I wrote all the stuff, but it was both our stuff. He coached a guy who's created a program and this guy is out there now working with husbands to help them strengthen their marriages. And this fellow came to one of our immersions in Toronto. He started sharing some of his pink sheets with us. He didn't know what a pink sheet was, but we were, you know, yep. talking to him yep. about it. It was in that fashion, and I'm like looking at him for a moment. I got angry. That's my stuff. That's yep. my stuff. I was like, I, I was livid for about thirty seconds, yep. and I'm like, yep. Wait a minute! This guy just told me he's actually saved about twenty five families from divorcing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. twenty five little kids get to stay yeah. in mommy and daddy's home instead of yep. separate homes. They. Yep. Don't have a four hundred percent higher chance of being yeah. incarcerated. They don't have an eleven hundred percent greater chance of being uh, an unwed parent. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what the f- excuse my French. What the frig yeah. is wrong with you, Nikki? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like,
0: they, yeah. good
1: for him. And 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 yeah. I and and I calm down, and I'm I'm like, okay, I'm going to help this man. I'm going to help him win because yeah. he's doing God's work. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that was. That was a humbling moment for me. <laughs> mm.
0: That was a humbling yeah, moment. Yeah, no, it's – it, that's beautiful. And then what you – the next step is you kind of like, yeah, obviously go through your own process and then you can have a clean conversation to where you can say, hey, buddy, this is – I love what you're doing with it. This is fabulous. And in our world, here's the honourable way to use other people's material. And this will actually make you – or this will give you more credibility And give you a platform to build your stuff. A
1: hundred percent. And he didn't
0: know that he was taking my stuff. Yeah. He had
1: no idea because the fellow that coached him was the guy that I teamed up with and he shared a lot of the stuff with him. And I asked him that, did this guy share the stuff with you? And he said, yes, he did. And I'm like, ah, it all makes sense now. (laughs) Yeah. It all all makes sense now. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Very good. But yeah, a hundred percent. Attribution is important and clean and all that good stuff. But. Anyway, Pete, I really enjoyed this conversation. We have to do this again. Me too, Nick. We have to Definitely. do this again. Are you up for that? For sure. Maybe one day we we'll even get you and Matt on the podcast at the same time. Now, that would be a, a sheer delight for me if he's up for something like that. We like to end off each and every episode by asking you, our expert guests, to share your top three expert action steps for our listener to live the best version of their life both in their personal world and in their business world. What say you?
0: Firstly, very simple but not easy, is do what you say. So I think the biggest single thing to work on to get better at implementing stuff, to get more productive, and to get better at selling and have more conviction is integrity, is this practice of doing what you say. And it's actually – very hard to do, Um, keeping promises to other people, keeping promises to yourself, um, something that I've taken on. And even a simple thing, my personal trainer knows Trish, my wife. And so regularly at the end of a session, he'll say, say hi to Trish for me, and I'll say, sure. And then sometimes I will and sometimes I won't. And, And then I caught myself. I'm like, I'm saying I will. So in effect, I'm making this promise that I have no intention of keeping. Mm -hmm. And so I then thought, well, if I'm going to make this promise, I should really just, if I'm going to keep it, I need to write it down. It's got to exist for me to keep make this promise seriously and keep it. So I pulled out my phone to write it down and I thought, well, if I'm going to write it down, I should just text and say, Gaz says hi. And then I thought, well, (laughs) bloody hell, if I'm going to, he can text to say hi, why should I be, I'm not his admin person sending messages for him. (laughs) He can send her a text if he wants to. And like all this went through my brain and then I, um, and then I said, might do. So instead of saying sure, um, I said, might do. If I remember, I will. And then now it's like this code that we have. So he'll, he'll say, say hi to Trish and I say, might do. And it's kind of funny, but it's... Has integrity. On it. Yeah, yeah. And it's even with my kids, I notice, like I catch myself two hands full of shopping and Scarlett says she wants to go on, she wants a dollar to go in the little thing that goes around and round outside the supermarket and we've got to go. And I say it's broken. And I go, Where how did, where did that come from? This just lie just came straight out of my mouth so easily. And I'm like, No, actually, it's not. That's not how you roll, Pete. Um, so that's the first one. And it's simple but but not easy, is do what you say. Um second thing in our game is obsess about positioning. So if you're a thought leader, an expert, you're the thing that's selling. And so this is very different from selling a product or having some internet marketing game where it doesn't matter if some people don't like, respect what you do. You can kind of trash it as long as 1% or whatever percent buys is fine. You can churn through people. That's We can't play that kind of game. So you need to obsess about how you show up in the world, how you treat people, how you treat the people who don't buy. Reputation is is everything in this game and that happens right from the start. And finally, I would say aim to fail 50% of your offers, your clusters, your projects. This is part of my implementation framework. And again, it sounds really, sounds strange, and what I think it does is lets us get more comfortable with taking things on that we're not sure about. So we're, we're trained not to fail and we're taught failing is bad and yet it's an integral part of running a practice, running a business, being an entrepreneur. And we hear all the stories of successful people and all their failures that they've had and all that's really nice, but there isn't a kind of concrete way to translate that. I think aiming to fail half of what you do, half your goals, lets us set goals that are on the edge of our ability, which is where we get where we get to our breakthroughs and where we get to learn the most so there there are my three Those three. are brilliant. I love that.
1: I mean, I got something powerful out of each of them. I got to tell you, I mean in terms of integrity um that that that's one that's really resonates for me. Inside the men's work that I do, we say that a man's his word. And if a man's unable to keep his word, he's given up his masculine power. And every time you make a promise and you don't follow through on it, you actually weaken yourself. You weaken your power in the universe. So it's really, really important to be careful what you say yes to and to make sure that what you do say yes to, you do your darndest to follow through on it. So I really, really like that one. and. Obsess about positioning. Yeah, that totally makes sense. In this game, if you don't do that, you would toast, right? Yeah, yeah. And the point about failure, that's powerful. I have an a, a athletics mentor. He's an Olympic gold medalist. And he talks about how important it is to fail. Yep. You know, he ran in three Olympics, four Olympics. And he won his Olympic gold medal in the third of the four. Yeah. And he actually yep. made another Olympic team but it was the Moscow Olympics so he didn't get to go you know because yep. Yep. Canada yep. boycotted those. <laughs> so it took him 16 years to win his Olympic gold medal. So he failed for 16 years. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I I, I mean I think after 16 months I'd quit myself. Mm. But that's powerful. Yep. And I'm like Pete's bang on. You got to you got to like build in a 50% failure rate. To yep. be successful. I love these three, Pete. They're, I think <laughs> they're the best three I've ever heard. Yeah, thank you, brother. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. So, Pete, you and Matt and your team in Australia, you run Thought Leaders Business School. And yep. it's a very powerful program. And it really helps thought leaders become thought leaders in reality and not just in their minds. And yep. Your success rate being what it is, I would say if you're listening to this, especially if you're in Pete's backyard, because we have a lot of listeners in Australia and New Zealand and, and, yep. and, and Asia Pacific, you need to go check out Thought Leaders Business School. You guys have immersions happening all the time. How do people find out about your immersions and how they can participate in your work? If you just put Thought
0: Leaders Business School into Google, you'll find us. We go to petercook.com, that's uh, another way in, both of those um, Okay, we'll, we'll make sure we there. put those in the show notes for sure. Thank you, and yeah, and we do, our immersions are every three months, so we have most of our people from around, as you say, from around here. We had one crazy guy, Dominic, Dominic who's come out nine times in a row from New York, who's flown oh, every geez. three months from New York. Um so I owe we you also will fly to a- an
1: immersion, I'm when to come, probably in your November one, we'll, we'll I'll, oh. I'll, I'll work with you guys to do that. But I'm not promising nine times in a row.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, so with the, as you and I've talked about the distance version of the program where we have is where you come out one time to Australia, and yeah, then the rest yeah. are streamed, and we have it set up so that you can participate virtually for the rest of the twelve months. Yeah, I think that's 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 that that would work really well for me.
1: But that's crazy. You did nine times in a row.
0: Yeah, that's that's commitment. Yeah,
1: that's. That certainly is, and and here's what I can say, listener. Peter Cook is my mentor. I learned all my good best stuff from him, from Mark von Muser, from Robin Sharma. You're getting one of the guys who's helped me be who I've been. Not that I'm the greatest shake in the world, but you know I've done okay, and uh, yeah. whatever I've done is Pete's fault. <laughs> so make sure that you take advantage of this opportunity. Go check out Thought Leaders Business School on Google. Go to petercook.com. Get yourself on a phone call with Pete or a member of his team uh, if that's what you need to do in order to, for you to experience the incredible work that these folks do. It changes lives. It makes a difference. And their success rate is incredible. You have an 80% chance of being at least uh, what Pete calls a yellow belt. And you have an over 50% chance of being a black belt in uh in this work. So I'd say that's worth doing, right? So definitely make sure that you do this. And Pete, you have a book as well. And I think that book is a very powerful way for people to get to know you guys who maybe aren't necessarily immediately ready to jump into an immersion. Tell us a bit about the book and how they can get it.
0: The book is The Thought Leader's Practice. Um, it's when we talk about making um, information available, it's our whole methodology. So there's nothing that we've held back from the book. Um, that's on, best way to get that is on Amazon. Um, you can stick a link to that too in the show notes. And we'll do. yeah, that has our whole white belt to black belt methodology, how to do clusters, how to sell yourself, how to position as a thought leader. It's, it's essentially our Bible for creating a successful thought leader's practice. That's brilliant stuff. Awesome. Awesome,
1: awesome, awesome. And and listener, if you're listening to this and you're in my neck of the woods and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I love this stuff. And maybe I'm not ready to jump into Australia, but I I live in in Canada and I might be interested in finding out more about this kind of methodology and some of the other stuff that you do. I would be thrilled and delighted to be of service to you myself. You can get a hold of me by going to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment This call is a complimentary call, and basically what we do is we sit down, we have a conversation about your business, where it's at, where you want to take it to, and uh, we lay out a a game plan for you. Uh, And that's something that if it resonates for you and you're at a space in your business or or in your practice where you're ready to uh, think of some new approaches and you're ready to be part of a different kind of a tribe, get on the phone with us And definitely get on the phone with Pete and the folks from his team, go to their website, take advantage of it. Pete, thank you so much. It was a real honor having you on the show. You know, I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. And uh, I know that you've got a very full life. So I really appreciate that you took the time to be a part of this today with us.
0: Thank you so much, Nikki. It's been an absolute pleasure. and, And like you say, it's been an honor too. Love their conversation.
1: Me too. And listen, if, if you're game, I'd like to have you back in a couple of months, two, three, four months. And um, let's let's talk about some things we didn't talk about today. Sounds great. And that wraps up another episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the legendary Peter Cook, go to the show notes, Google Thought Leaders Business School. Google. PeterCook.com. Make sure that you get a copy of his and Matt's book, The Thought Leader's Practice, and you will be glad that you did. Until next time, goodbye.